Hi, you're listening to Elevate, the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. You only have one body. It's a beautiful vessel and cherish it. The moment that they say bored, I'm like, keep saying that because I know in 10 or 15 minutes, you're going to find something that you're creative about and they'll go off and play and start singing and drawing rather than I just need a phone or I just need a TV. We're massive believers in just small steps, little changes, because that means that as the little changes stack up, that's going to be more sustainable and it's going to last for life. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, a series designed to explore teachings, ideas and thoughts on empowering young girls while celebrating difference. I'm Ramita Anand, your host, teacher and educational mentor, and I'll be chatting with insightful activists, thought leaders, creatives and all-round brilliant champions for girls. Through these conversations and my work at Elevate RA Mentoring Services, I hope we can join forces to foster meaningful connections in order to alter the narrative around what being different, especially for young girls, signifies. I'm delighted to be introducing you to today's guest, founder of award-winning health practice, Chris and Philly Functional Medicine. She is an accredited clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner and a PhD scholar. Her work in this area has been featured with articles written for Forbes and Body and Soul. Together with her husband, my guest today, who is Philippa Ballette, has worked with over 2,000 busy, burnt-out parents and families. The practice she runs is best known for ending body burnout for good in high-achieving parents by optimizing energy, stabilizing mood and balancing gut health. In today's modern world of raising families, pursuing careers, and in many cases also taking care of elderly parents too, it seems very apt that Philippa has taken the time to source ways to support so many of us to achieve optimum health, both mentally and physically. Recently awarded as a Tasmanian State winner for the Telstra Best of Business Awards in 22, to back up the much needed service and work in this area, goes to show how much we all really need support. Philippa's own passion for helping parents, especially mums, to have more energy, productivity and connection came from her own personal experience of mummy burnout, as she likes to call it, after having babies and juggling the demands of a business, family and her failing health. Today, in our interview, we are going to be looking at ways to keep our girls healthy with a balanced body system for their well-being and ways that we can beat burnout as their carers ourselves. So we are better able and equipped to support our girls be their best physically and mentally during their time of hormonal change. I'm so looking forward to chatting to Philippa and getting more tips on how we can raise our girls in this tricky time of adolescence. Thank you for coming on to the Elevate podcast, Philippa, and sharing your work in this relevant area for teen and tween girls. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. We're going to talk a little bit about all the work that I just described in the introduction, but I wondered if it might be a good place for us to start for our listeners and explain to those people who may not know exactly what functional medicine is and how that differs from the more traditional sense of the word. Would you care to expand on that for us? Yeah, yeah. So functional medicine combines. So, okay, so you've got uh, modern medicine. So that's your your GPs, your medical specialists who are all amazing. Um, they keep it alive. 
and uh, you know there's definitely a place for that. But functional medicine is more coming at health from a natural therapies perspective. Um, but it's different to something like naturopathy or nutritionist, which you know the terms that most people recognize. Um, so functional medicine combines natural therapies with lab-based evidence testing. So it's kind of taking like science as well as like traditional going back centuries year old things that we know that support the body. Um, and I love it because it takes the guess that work out of, you know, what is what is wrong with you or with me or whoever the person is that I'm talking to. We can actually run the lab tests that look at functional imbalances that go beyond what GPs, medical specialists usually test for because their tests are more about um, looking for diseases, um, diagnosing diseases, uh, which again is super important, whereas functional lab testing uh, is more looking at the functional imbalances that can happen inside the body that aren't necessarily causing a disease, um, but it can definitely affect you health-wise and can cause a lot of symptoms that for some people can be really debilitating. Appreciate you using all the terms that we are familiar with because it can, can get confusing um, yep. for especially for parents that are trying to be proactive with with a healthy lifestyle, but not yep. sure that they are doing all the right things. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what what made you want to become a clinical nutritionist and work in this arena? Yeah, so I was actually, um, so prior to coming into the health industry, I was working at university. So I just finished a PhD and I was lecturing and tutoring. So I was already in a pretty um, high performance, quite stressful environment. I put a lot of pressure on myself. There was so much imposter syndrome. I think I was 26 at the time, you know, the youngest person to be working at university. So, you know, there was a lot of, um, uh, a lot of imposter, imposter syndrome going on there and uh, putting a lot of pressure on myself. Then I had a baby, um, which put extra physical stresses onto my body. Um, and it was quite a traumatic birth. Pregnancy was beautiful and wonderful, but the birth was about three days long, a very long, extensive pushing, lots of intervention, trying to get Poppy out, um, ended up tearing my vagina and my bowel and my bladder stopped working. Like literally I had no sensation to pee. Um, and so uh, the nurses put in an internal catheter, so like a pipe up wee hole. <laughs> In order for me to be able to urinate, and I was living with a catheter in for about four months after having Poppy until my bladder retrained and actually started working again. But during that time, so one, that was just super stressful and like my body felt very broken and my baby was crying all the time and I couldn't really even move around properly because of this big wee bag stuck to my leg. <laughs> It was so pretty gross. Um, but during that time too, I got a lot of infections. So UTIs, I got chronically constipated. I ended up back in hospital a few times with more antibiotics pumped into my system. And my gut health just, I don't know, it was wiped out basically. And from there, every month, I just started developing a new health issue. So first it was, um, first it was postnatal depression and just like exhaustion after having the baby. But then I started having weird things like catching colds and flus and other types of respiratory infections all the time, like literally every two weeks, which was not what I had experienced in my life before. Chronic back pain. Um, later on, it was anxiety, skin issues, um, all sorts of stuff, low libido. Uh, anxiety was a really big one for me, though. I called myself the dragon mum because I just became like anger, anger, 
was how anxiety showed up for me, screaming at my newborn baby all the time, like, you know, things that were just absolutely not normal and beyond your usual. I'm um, kind of like feeling stressed out. <laughs> yeah, gosh, that sounds really challenging. And I'm sure there are lots of other mums and parents who are listening to this and possibly relate to some of the emotions that you've just shared. Um, got that, And none of these issues were there prior to these your well, in terms of health issues were there before you had the baby? Yes, that's an interesting question. And it kind of is why I do. So like our main, I guess, target market of high achieving parents. So we work a lot with mums, especially um, helping them restore their health. But uh, we find that a lot of the parents end up or, you know, if it's the mum that gets better and she'll bring her partner and then her children. And so I love working with kids as well, especially teens and uh, female like girls too because of the more dramatic hormonal changes that girls go through um, and looking back there were weird things going on like when I was a teenager um, even as a kid I I was quite I wouldn't say I had anxiety but I was an anxious child shy um, low self-confidence um, you know so timid to talk to anybody whether that was like one-on-one or in a group setting let alone talking on stage, that would have freaked me out. Um, but, you know, so I don't, I don't know, maybe that might have been emotional, mental things. But as I um, got a bit older and as a teen, I started having vassal vagal episodes. So that's basically when stress got too much for me and it was usually like a physical stressor, like getting my wisdom teeth pulled out or um, getting a blood test. I would faint and fit and pee myself. <laughs> Oh, God, who are you? And, like, back then, I mean, it was concerning. My mum took me to neurologists and all sorts of specialists and, like, they couldn't find anything besides your nervous system just kind of spazzes out when you're under stress. Um, but it didn't really stop me from functioning. Like, I could still do everything that I wanted to do. It was just every month or two I'd have these weird episodes. Um, and also from a hormonal perspective, I didn't get a period until I, I was I think almost 18, which is not great. (laughs) And yeah, I think from the moment I was 13, probably like year seven, um, hormonal acne. So there were definitely hormonal things going on prior to having kids. There are definitely issues. It was just that it wasn't affecting my kind of ability to live my life how I wanted to. In saying that, however, I feel like if I had had functional medicine back when I was maybe 13 or 15 my life probably like teenagerhood and in my 20s probably would have been a lot different no doubt I mean that's really interesting the way that you explained the fact that your life carried on so there weren't things that you took greater um actions towards in terms of drawing attention to what it was that was causing you these concerns they were health issues but not severe enough and I think particularly as we get older, we start putting a lot of things under the carpet and thinking, well, it's not that serious or it's not that, but all the little things do add up. And I suppose for you, it all came to a head when you became a mum and you decided it was time to do something about it, which is often the case. We often get to a breaking point maybe, or a place where you can take no long, take it no more and you decide to, to do something. So that's really great that you're sharing this personal journey of yours. Thank you for sharing all those insights on what what led you into this world because I think it's really important for us all to look back on things and 
find ways that we can possibly make it better for the people ahead of us. You use this term when you were talking earlier and you called yourself a dragon mom. And I know you've referred to fathers as zombie dads, um, including your own husband. I would love to know, because I think there might be others who are listening to this in agreement and probably feel like dragon moms or zombie dads themselves. And can you help them explain what, A, elaborate on what the terms actually illustrate for you and and what might be going on for these poor parents yeah so so dragon mom will show up as that snappiness um it was over like I'm talking about my experience too but it was over the smallest things it was like trying to get the kids into the car to get to school on time and absolutely losing the plot and kind of like screaming at them on the way to school like that sort of and it doesn't have to be that extreme either it could just be like oh I used to be so cool and calm and collected and now I'm just snappy all the time or feeling really moody like those mead swings or irritable um but for me as well like I use the term dragon mum because I started and actually this is something I had as a teenager as well but it just got worse after all the antibiotics but um I got used to get really bad heartburn and so I would literally feel like I had fire coming up my chest into my mouth and when I started doing healing work like the functional medicine healing work later on I found a nasty bug that was kind of like one of the root causes as to the heartburn but it was really affecting my mental health as well because it was just irritating me very inflaming like literally wanting to like breathe fire like a dragon. <laughs> okay, so quite literally hot and bothered. Literally. Yeah, oh gosh. And for some mums, I mean, dads can be dragon dads too, but um, it would be like using that metaphor again, it's the inflammation happening inside the body where different body systems might go out of whack. So for me, it was that, you know, a lot of pathogens. So I had a, a bacterial pathogen called Helicobacter pylori, um, if anyone's interested in that bug. <laughs> Um, as well as candida and parasites and all that sort of stuff. So they, and they can cause a lot of inflammation. Um, and then there's also like detox pathways can get kind of screwed up or taxed because of the toxic world that we live in. Even if you try and live quite a healthy toxin free life, there's just pollution everywhere. Um, and so again, that can cause that inflammation. If you're not clearing toxins from your body very well, that can then affect you know, mental health as well. Um, and then the zombie dad, well, that's kind of like we work with people with the three big symptoms are energy, mood and gut issues. So mood issues are kind of like the dragon mom. Energy issues are kind of like whether it's the zombie dad or zombie mom or zombie child. <laughs> um, it's that exhaustion, the fatigue. It might be full-on chronic fatigue or it might be just functional fatigue where you struggle to get up out of the bed in the morning when the kid's like calling to you to come and make breakfast or you need to start work or, you know, for teenagers, school. Um, um, or having those really big crashes in the afternoon, like you need to go and have a nap. I mean, that's not normal, especially if you're sleeping all night and, you know, you're getting a good seven, eight, nine hours of sleep. If you're, if you don't have abundant energy during the day, there's something happening inside your body that is literally like sapping up your energy. And again, it can be toxins, gut pathogens, um, neurotransmitters can get burnt out or depleted. So things like dopamine, adrenaline, if you're living on adrenaline and like going for those dopamine um, rushes where, you know, you're like doing, 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 that can literally cause your neurotransmitters to deplete. And there you get up and go brain chemicals, which can then lead to exhaustion. We see that very commonly um, 
especially with a lot of the people that we work with who are high achievers, want to succeed, doing like awesome stuff in the world, but sometimes to the detriment of their own body and health. Yeah. I mean, you've said so many things here that I think will resonate with lots of the listeners. I wonder though, if all of these issues have always existed, but we've only ever decided to take proactive measures in in recent years, or do you think that I'm, am I wrong in that? Has, Has it always been something that people look for to support their systems? Because the things that you're suggesting, clearly they do occur more and detoxifying and, and all of that is important, but would you say that it's a recent phenomena of modern parenting and modern lifestyles, or is it something that we've always had and just never really took time to take care of it? Look, there's a lot of research around around this, and there's a trajectory of like things getting worse from a health perspective. So, um, you know, when we moved from eating whole foods that the earth provided us to eating packaged processed foods, there's different studies that have linked, um, you know, the modernization of food products to having like chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, cancers. I mean, they're the things that we want to prevent. A lot of people come to us before they get to that stage. Some people don't. Some people have cancer and you know, like, oh, now what do I do? But um, the, the functional imbalances, the fatigue, the anxiety are things that can like absolutely lead to those nasty stuff. Then like, I mentioned toxins as well. Um, probably like go back 10, 20 years ago, a lot of functional medicine doctors said, oh, it's all the food that we're eating. It's the food that's causing us to get sick. Now it's more like actually our world is so toxic that it's the toxins that are destroying our body systems. Um And then even like now the pandemic, like the last two years, you got all that stuff that was already happening anyway. And then you've got extra stresses and lockdowns, working from home, trying to like also homeschool the kids. And I don't know what it's like in London at the moment, but like people just dropping like flies with COVID here in Australia, in Tasmania, and like you're quarantining. And then it's like, it's, it's huge, like that mental load. And again, there's been a quite a bit of reset research as well around the mental load of the pandemic. Um, causing a lot of mental health issues. And we use the term body burnout as well because these stresses that we have, whether they're mental, environmental, physical, whatever it is, they literally burn down body systems in exactly the same way. The body can't recognize different types of stresses. Um, We've got wars going on. Like there's just so much, so much. Yeah, no, you've touched on so many relevant topics that are surrounding our all of us as adults, it's hard to comprehend. It's obviously a whole other issue for young teenagers and young adolescent kids to try and cope with what's happening in the world around them when, when the adults themselves are, are struggling. So I think you've, you've, you're definitely onto a great way of trying to support families uh, who are looking after, well, they should need to look after themselves, obviously, in order to look after their, their young ones and then possibly their elderly um, parents and car- you know family members as well. So there's a lot of onus on on us. The, now the parallel that I wanted to draw between what you do and what we're doing at Elevate is this idea of being preventative and proactive rather than reactive. And I think you're right. You might probably do get lots of clients and patients that come to you reactively because they've been diagnosed with something and want to do something for it. And one of those things I think that has come up really commonly and a phrase that seems to be everywhere at the moment, and you've used it already, is burnout. So let's talk about this emotion, this feeling, this actual physical drainage of energy. And when 
we get that. I, I think it's quite universal. I don't think it's just parents in high performing jobs or just general raising families that are feeling burnout. I, and yes, you're right. The pandemic has added another layer of us all feeling that burnout. But I think that a lot of the families I'm meeting, the teens, the girls are coming to me and saying, I'm burnt out. I am exhausted. I am just burnt, you know, done, finished, run out of batteries. So what can we do and how can we use your approach in functional medicine and your practice in helping our children and families, their carers, feeling less physically and mentally burnt out? Mm, I'll come back to that specifically in a second, but I liked what you said about what you're doing is proactive, not reactive. And actually like the, the premise of functional medicine is proactive preventative. Unfortunately, a lot of people come to us when they're getting symptoms already, but occasionally we'll get family, like whole family members where they're like, just run all your tests. We want to do a car like service check and just make sure that our body's working fine. And so it's the quickest initial consults because it's like, okay, your form, like I get people to fill in this very elaborate health form and it's like, everything looks good. Well, let's just run the tests and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. It's, you get a, you get an MOT or you do a physical, don't you? When your babies are small or we, 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 we take them to the pediatrician to make sure all things are working well, but we don't keep that up. So I think that's an interesting point. Yeah. And I've done, um, like I've done stool tests with my oldest, so looking into her microbiome, not because she was sick, more so because she was super interested. She's like, I want to see what bugs I have in my gut. And so she was really happy to change her diet and take different types of, you know, uh, supplements to help restore her gut health, which was really cool. Um, so I would say like you can work with a health provider even if you're not sick. So that's, I mean, and that's that's beautiful because it often means that people respond really well to treatment really quickly as well. And it's crazy too that um, people who aren't necessarily getting symptoms, like sometimes when I run tests, I'm like, holy crap, how are you not getting symptoms? Because you've got so many imbalances in your body. I'm so grateful that your body is resilient right now. <laughs> Let's fix that so you don't have symptoms later on down in life. Um, but your question about to about the girls that are coming to you feeling or like you're hearing these words, I'm feeling burnt out. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, I was on the radio and um, a teenage girl heard me going to school and she's like, yeah, I'm feeling really burnt out. I'm like, really? That's so sad. But then even I think back to when I was a teenager, like, I mean, actually I had a lot of fun in high school. So that for high school in Tasmania, Australia is grade seven to 10. Um, but then college, so grades 11 and 12, before you go to university, that was intense. Like, again, a lot of um, people, girls and boys, are putting a lot of pressure on themselves that they need to get the best grades, that they need to get the best score so they can do the university degree or whatever. Um, and I feel like for me, I mean, I, I'm sure that contributed to the weird things that were going on inside my body, even as a teenager. But um, looking back now, if I could go back now, I'd be like, I only needed 34 points out of 100 to get into the university degree that I wanted to. Why was I aiming for the 100? <laughs> and I mean, it's my personality. I like to, you know, do well with everything that I do, but not, but now I've learned not to the detriment of my health because then when I lose that, it's like you actually can't achieve 
and like that's both for adults as well as teenagers if there's any teenagers you know that are listening or um that you work with that are those kind of like the perfectionist and I and I need to get the best grades and I need to um uh, I need you know to do the best that I can so that my mum and my dad are proud of me um you know it can go to the extreme so looking at uh you know if you have balance around that and around your expectations for yourself um yeah can I ask you a question because you work with these girls probably like even more so than what I would and you're asking these questions to them like what are their what are the things that you think are burning them out oh personally from my own opinion yeah. <laughs> yeah I think I think a lot of the things that are is you're right there's a lot of innate pressure there's a lot of wish for young girls to please you know they really want to do right by their parents their teachers their coaches I think they want to be they want to do it all and I think that must stem from women and their mothers and other women in the media that they see can do it all, you know, look, look a certain way, perform a certain way academically, be popular at school, be the sports person at school, be the musician as well. And I think when you look at a day in terms of how many hours there are for them to just be them, there aren't that many. And I do believe that little habits make a big difference. So I think if we start them overscheduling our kids when they're little. I think we're very prone to do that because as parents, we like our kids to be busy. And of course, it's good to expose them to lots and lots of different extracurricular activities. But I don't know if we then get on a wheel, like a hamster wheel, and we don't know how to get them off that. So then they're doing three instruments and two languages and trying to work, keep up with schoolwork and have a life. So I think all of that brings on a huge amount of of course, I, you know, I, I can't ignore the fact that now their audience to perform to is such a bigger place because of the social media context, which we didn't have as kids. So I wonder if this innate social pressure to be on all the time and never just switch off doesn't allow their bodies to rest, their minds to rest. And then that whole idea of around them feeling anxious or burnt out comes because they hit a wall because we haven't done that we haven't actually factored in time in their week where they can literally lie on their bed and be bored yeah 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 it's almost like your boredom is a bad thing but actually it's not because that's where you can chill out but it's also often where I find I mean I've got a 10 and almost 10 a six and a nine-year-old so they're still quite young but the moment that they say bored I'm like keep saying that because I know in 10 or 15 minutes you're going to find something in you that you're creative about and they'll go off and play and start singing and drawing rather than I just need a phone or I just need a tv um so I think that's a huge thing another thing that I'm super passionate especially about educating teens around because you know they're also in the phase where they're like the makeup and the hair and the smelly deodorants and the perfumes and I mean that's a whole nother conversation as to why you need to mask up as well but um a lot of the girls probably you know maybe they're spending their own money and they're going to probably go to the grocery store or you know get cheap makeup that have actually a lot of um toxins in them that are known as xenoestrogens so that can really affect um, a girl's and an adult woman's um, hormone production as well. So it can actually increase. They should have a beautiful balance of progesterone and estrogen that happens over the course of a cycle. But if you're exposing yourself, um, whether that's through the skin, I mean, if you're putting lipstick on, you're basically eating it. Um, 
then your body can actually get a buildup of estrogen in your system, which then can really affect your hormones. So, you know, girls can start having super heavy periods or the period disappears or it's delayed or bad PMS or getting the pimples. And then that can also feed into what you were talking about with that emotional um, pressure of I need to be the best because all of a sudden they feel crappy and their mood swings all over the place and they don't feel pretty because they have big pimples showing up on their face and then they have to try even harder to be the type of person that they think they need to be. (laughs) It's such a tricky time being a teenager, isn't it? It's such a big time of change and I think you're absolutely right so having the right education and the right information on around not just the food we eat but the shampoos we use the deodorants we use the the products that we're putting into our skin what that can I don't know if at that point we're actually thinking about the knock-on effect of of hormonal imbalances and what that can do to mood and our stability in terms of regulation. Yeah, something fun. I mean, this isn't the main thing that we do in our functional medicine practice, but occasionally I'll hold um, like natural skincare or cleaning product, uh, like how to make your own stuff and educate people around toxins. Um, I also do a mineral makeup one, which is really fun. And I have parents also just like booking parties for that. And they're like, let's just bring all our 12 year olds before they get into the makeup so that they can actually make makeup that's like healthy enough to eat <laughs> that still works well and it's beautiful but it's um all natural and so that's a great way to start uh when your hormones are shifting and changing and i think there is a greater awareness certainly more than 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 it was for when i was a teenager i definitely just ran into a drugstore and bought the first revlon lipstick i could afford but i feel like my daughter seems much more aware of brands that are that have animal cruelty associated with them were those that are not vegan. And we, yeah, we did a deodorant making class that was all natural. It was absolutely gorgeous and so fun, but yeah, I think there are more and more things out there, but I suppose they're not as accessible in all places and, and maybe that needs to change. So I think that's a really great tip for parents to try and, would you say, try and find as many organic or maybe the better question is, are there certain ingredients that we should look out for? that shouldn't be in the products that we buy for our young people. Yes, yes, yes. So some nasty stuff that you want to avoid are things like parabens. So they're usually used as a preservative that have been linked to cancer, breast cancer. So parabens putting on deodorant right next to your breasts. Not good people. <laughs> um, other things like oh, if anyone uses... I think it's still around Vaseline. So that's actually just made of petroleum jelly, which is a mineral oil derived from petrol, (laughs) which is kind of gross. So that can be quite toxic and it is in a lot of, I mean, you can get the Vaseline tubs. I used to, like, I was obsessed with it. Even when I was pregnant with my first baby, rubbed it all over my belly and then later found out a few years ago that it's linked to reproductive issues and can cause deformities in babies. I'm like, I was rubbing that on my belly. What the heck? Wow. I, I, that one I didn't know. Vaseline has been kind of a, th- a thing for in my life as a feature for years. I mean. Oh, I know. Okay. And that's is, interesting. That, that mineral oil, you will probably find it in most just regular store-bought lipsticks and lip balms or like any type of balmy stuff because it's cheap. Like it's cheap to make as opposed to using things like jojoba oil and beeswax and shea butter and cacao butter, which are more expensive, but they're natural. Um, uh, so lead is another one that is found in um, makeup. 
Um, well, there's so many. BHA. I could probably do up a bit of a list for the show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that sounds great. No, thank you for that. I appreciate you sharing some of those ingredients. No, it's just it's just helpful, I think, for us to be mindful in the same way you would buy foods that would create issues in our body. I think that sometimes we forget about not just the what we eat, but what we wear and also what we clean with. I know cleaning products can also be another one to, to, to be careful of, but it's a whole holistic thing, isn't it? It's a massively bigger picture I think it's good to zoom out sometimes often we think well there's nothing wrong with me I'm eating well I'm exercising I'm great but actually you're right there are other areas that we could be working on to to improve so tell me then Philippa what are some of the symptoms that we should be looking out for that signal you might be having gut issues because I know you said there are not always obvious signs but are there are, are there some symptoms that we should be aware of so there's the obvious ones like heartburn, bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, diarrhea. And some people live with this all their life and don't actually think that it's an issue. So, um, again, I'm like on a radio segment for the breakfast radio on Monday mornings. And this week we talked about poo. And I had the radio station put up a, a post on their Facebook page, how often do you poo? And it was interesting reading everyone's comments. And someone said, oh, I poo every few days. Um but, you know, I go in and get it done and, you know, and so anyway, there, there are people who don't poo every day that think that that's normal um, and it's not because you're trying, like when you poo, you're eliminating waste. So that can cause toxin issues. It can cause um, pathogens to overgrow because your food is moving through your intestines too slow. And then there can be, then there can be other symptoms. Um like I find for a lot of the teenage girls that come to us for help, a lot of them either have gut issues, like actually feeling bloating or discomfort or whatever it is. Um, a lot of them have skin issues. So whether that's acne, eczema, psoriasis, and very often that is contributed to poor gut health and dysbiotic uh, microbiome. Um, and even like female hormone issues too. So PMS, um, things like endometriosis. So there's actually studies that have linked endometriosis with a type of pathogenic bacteria that can overgrow in the gut. And they found that women with endometriosis, their period um, had higher levels of the nasty metabolite that this bacteria produces in comparison to the control group. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Was it like a chicken or an egg thing there going on? Um, and then if you've heard of the gut-brain connection, so any inflammation in the gut can absolutely affect the our neurology as well. So whether that's feeling exhausted, feeling depressed, um, feeling like even just emotional or moody or anxiety, um, that was definitely contributing to my anxiety and the dragon mom for sure and I've seen many other people like even sometimes within a few days of treating say a nasty yeast infection like candida I got a message one day and she's like I don't know what you gave me or what I'm doing but I feel like all of a sudden this dark cloud has come off me and she said now I realize that how I was feeling for the last 20 years I was feeling like I was chronically in a hangover and I don't have that hangover anymore I'm like wow that's crazy so brain fog is a really big one as well it's such an interesting thing that you say because from the work that I do in, in educating teachers uh, kids before I started Elevate was working with kids with neurodiverse conditions and learning 
learning difficulties. So brain fog was something that always came up in my conversations with them. Mrs. Anand, I just don't understand it. It's just too foggy. It's, oh, it's not clear. And But I think what is interesting in, in this whole series of this podcast, which is a really great link, is all my conversations have been around, are there other ways to help young people other than going down to get a prescription? And I think you touched on skin issues because that leads to confidence issues and understanding your self-esteem and what, even though all of us have these problems, there are some girls that suffer with more acne than, than others or, and boys, not just girls that can affect their self-esteem. And I think a lot of parents think they're being helpful by taking them in to see a, a physician and getting them a script and, and, you know, they get prescribed harder drugs or, or, or some more severe medication which can have all sorts of other side effects they might clear up the acne but it might do other things to them so I think it's worth at least putting this type of conversation out there into the minds of parents to maybe scope out other ways to help yeah and I find for uh, teenage girls as well and this was like not judging my mother at all because this is all we knew back then but it was like okay go to the GP what can you do to help with the acne actually even before Roaccutane which is that pretty harsh drug they said well just go on the pill and like I wasn't sexually active (laughs) and I'm like sure take this hormone it's like holy crap it shuts down your it shuts down your cycle, like it shuts down your hormone production. So progesterone and estrogen just isn't producing the way it naturally should. And it cleared up my acne, but I had like, I put on a lot of weight and it definitely probably didn't contribute to later on having the really like irregular um, spaced out periods, the infertility, Um, but like, it's just a common thing. I completely get what you're saying here because the number of women that do struggle with infertility of our generation who were products of those of that time where parents didn't know any better. So took them to the doctors and doctors are trusted and you get these scripts, you're right, for the pill. And whether or not, you know, obviously hindsight's a great thing, but at that time, all, all you want to do is have clear skin and go to the Athena school disco looking lovely. It's really interesting that these things are now becoming to take shape and we can look back on that and say, well, did that have something to do with that and connect the dots? So I'm really pleased for the, for the generation that we're now raising, that we're parents that have the information and possibly can make a better judgment on whether or not what we give them will make it the right impact in the right way for them. And even, I don't know if this was your experience, but even with antibiotics, I was like, oh, you got a cold. Here's some antibiotics. I mean, GPs, most GPs don't do that anymore, which is great because we know more about the microbiome. But um, holy smokes, I don't even know. I probably had maybe 50 rounds of antibiotics in my life. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but I have no idea. Like I've had so many before I, you know, <laughs> understood about natural therapies and health and all that sort of stuff. And again, that's just totally ruining our microbiome, which is considered our second brain. So yeah, no, it's a powerhouse, isn't it? And it is. The, there's a lot of research out there now that really points to the direct link between gut and mind. And then I think if our minds are in a good place, I think everything else sort of falls into a better place as well, given how, how much our, our young girls are struggling with mental health. I think giving them the best access to be able to be them, be their best selves is, is definitely important. Tell me again then, Philippa, what you think might be some root causes or ways that parents can 
support young girls and themselves in getting their body working to its full capacity I suppose that's really what you're trying to do with functional medicine yeah yeah so there's always like laser that so the first first step that we kind of do is it's like okay let's work out all body systems are imbalanced using the lab testing but that's a lot of people think that's the root cause but it's like no 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 no. that's just exacerbating or causing symptoms we want to know like why has your brain neurotransmitters depleted or why do you have parasites or why do you have too much estrogen in your body or whatever it is and so root causes there are many (laughs) but what I love about the root causes is it's kind of like common sense as well so there are some things where there's genetic issues so someone is just born with genetic mutations it doesn't mean it has to express though so that's the term epigenetics means that you have a mutation is it going to express or not it depends on how you live your life and you know the circumstances that surround you um so genetics is a big one um also it's like accidents injuries but a lot of the things come back to um like foods that we're eating are we eating supporting nourishing real foods or are we eating things from packages that are kind of like foreign to the body and you can't you know, your body doesn't know how to utilize those that properly. Um, teenagers or adults as well, actually, like sleep, not getting enough sleep or staying up late on screens. Screens is just a huge one now, especially at nighttime because it affects your, so it actually causes cortisol, your stress hormone to jack up, which then suppresses melatonin, which is your sleepy hormone. So even if someone is able to fall asleep, they're not getting restorative sleep because those hormones are just really out of whack. So that's a root cause. Um, going back to toxins can be root causes um relationships as well so then you've got all the emotional mental stresses so things that we were talking about like putting too much pressure on yourself but with the root causes too it's like until you can until you can stop asking why then you eat then you have reached the root cause so for example it's like okay your burn like the root cause of your burnout is because you feel like your parents put too much pressure on you but why? And then it's like, so you just keep asking the word why until you get to the crux. And it often comes back to the way that you think and feel about yourself that then causes you to live in a way that may be healthy or unhealthy. And if you have genetic issues where you're more susceptible to developing more severe symptoms, then that's that's a challenge like um these people kind of have to work a bit harder to to live a healthy lifestyle and really get to those root causes that's really interesting so nature versus nurture a little bit as well there's the idea around what you're what you come as in terms of your genetics and what your your body is already chemically designed as then versus how you react to those external stresses as well and now that's the word that I wanted to bring up next you've led me on beautifully to the next question which is stress um a word that we hear all the time from every generation and every every member of every family including my dog i mean who would have thought you know i know bless him he's been to singapore and back and of of course everyone's now saying is he under stress and is he all right (laughs) so so the idea the word stress is something that i take i don't take lightly but i sometimes find it gets used very very lightly and i think our measure of stress versus what our children's measure of stress (laughs) is sometimes really hard. And I think there can be sometimes some uh, incongruence with that, because I think what happens as adults is we, when our kids say, oh, I feel stressed mom, or I feel stressed dad, 
we might turn a blind eye to that word and say to them, you don't understand stress. You're not an ad, you know, wait till you're an adult. And I think sometimes we undermine our youngsters because for them in that moment, whatever is going on, even if it is that their PE kit is lost or their homework is, is, is missing or whatever, it could even be even more mundane than that. It could be, I can't find this sock and I'm not going to school without this. And it's, it, it, but they use the word stress. And I think a little bit in my program, in my mentoring program with the girls, I often try and remember that, remind children that their choice of language makes a big difference to the reactions people give you. And sometimes I wonder if kids start saying I'm depressed or I'm obsessed or I'm stressed using these kind of quite strong, impactful terms is because what they want is attention. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. Something that I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer this properly, but something that came to mind when you were talking about that is um, my husband, Chris, he's a super dad, like he's amazing. I catch myself or sometimes he catches me. So let's just say um, Poppy comes up and she's like, oh, I just feel really stressed. I'm like, I'm so stressed out. And and I, I'm a bit more reactive. I'm like, uh, got to gotta dissolve this or fix this or like I don't want to hear this depending on the mood that I'm in. But Chris will come in and he said uh, he gets her to focus on how she's feeling. So rather than like using those words that, you know, those big terms like depressed and stressed and I have anxiety and that sort of stuff, it's like, well, hang on. It's like, why, why, why do you say you feel that way? What messages is your body telling you? And so, so, and that allows, like, it's really cool watching that dialogue and that interaction between them because Poppy will step back and she'll think about it. And like, even that stepping back and thinking about it allows her body to calm down enough for her to actually become like revert back into herself. And it's like, yeah, okay, what am I feeling? And she'll explain, she's like, I just feel like I can't breathe very well. And like, I just, I'm holding my breath. And so then teaching her, it's like, yeah, cool. So it's like that body and the mind thing too, that the easiest way, this is Tony Robbins, the easiest way you can change your psychology is by changing your physiology. So it's okay, Poppy, well, let's just stand up straight, open up your chest and breathe. And then it's like, and how do you feel now? She's like, I feel good. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So let's, let's kind of recap that again. What were the two questions that your husband suggests we ask? Um, let me see if I can remember this. So he said, um, just step back, Poppy. And so you say that you're feeling stressed, but what is your body actually telling you? Like, why do you think or why do you feel that you're stressed? Why do you feel that you're stressed? He doesn't use the word think. It's like feel. It's like connecting back to your body. It's a, a definitely a thing. We all know stress causes illness. We know stress causes uh, all sorts of knock-on effects on our physical and mental well-being. And I just th sometimes wonder if validating our children's emotion around that word stress is important measure of helping them feel their best selves in the first instance or giving them other ways other language or other tools to help them cope with this idea around their feeling stress so i think yeah giving giving parents a couple of suggestions like the one you just mentioned in terms of how we can um, maybe maybe have a different conversation around that word yeah it's just it's kind of just unpacking it in a different way as well like I don't think I I 
would disagree by saying, mm, no, you're not stressed or you're not depressed. It's like, actually, let's unpack what that means to you um, because they might be clinging onto a word and as an adult, you know, I'll have a certain thing like, oh, no, do I have to like take you to the GP or do I need to run some brain tests on you or like what's going on there? And it might just be like, actually, mummy, when I say I'm stressed, sorry, mummy, like little girl, like my belly doesn't feel very good. And a lot of kids and teenagers like hold that, like they literally have these, especially in the belly and the chest, they don't feel good. And then that makes them feel stressed. And so it's like, okay, unpack that. Like are there things going on in your life or it's, is it literally like a physical imbalance or is it that you're not breathing properly? That's probably adults as well. I think we all forget to, to check in with ourselves. I think that's a really good reminder of looking at those parts in your, like you said, belly, chest, and they're interesting where the organs that we discussed earlier in terms of gut and lungs for breath and brain, which all has so much to do with neuroscience and the neurotransmitters and how we all, how it all works together. If we give those parts of our body moments and we give our children that language around coping with those emotions. And I think that's another big link between what you're suggesting and what we're doing in terms of in Elevate with emotional intelligence and giving children the ability to name emotions and work on feeling the different nuances between are you genuinely stressed or are you hungry? <laughs> you know, are you just, <laughs> sometimes, and as parents, sometimes it's hard to get it right because you think, oh, this must be a hormonal thing. You know, this is, she's a young girl and this is, this is definitely her hormones talking and this is not, you know, she definitely is feeling something. And, and maybe it's, it could be hormones, but often it could be that they haven't had enough sleep or they haven't had enough protein that day. So they're, they're running out of fuel or whatever it might be. And they are just tired or thirsty, like you say. So there can be so many factors. And I think we can be hard on ourselves as mums and dads and carers to try and work it all out. But I think maybe what the message here is, is have small, good habits right from the start and don't try and overturn your whole lifestyle in one day. Maybe is that, would you say, is that a good suggestion for families to try and? Yeah. And I mean, that's why, that's why we love working with parents first too, because it's really hard to help a parent with a sick child if the parents sick themselves or have, or they're like stuck in unhealthy habits. And so, but I mean, changing your lifestyle and your habits, like it's a big thing. It doesn't happen overnight. And so we're massive believers in just small steps, baby steps, little changes, because that means that as the little changes stack up, that's going to be more sustainable and it's going to last for life. And like our big mission is ending body burnout for good. Like we don't want to see you in another, you know, coming back a year later because you had the same issues because you're doing the same things again. It's like actually transform your life in little itty bits that are manageable so that you always feel that you're succeeding and never failing, but changing those small things. And when it comes to kids, especially as they get older, I mean, my kids haven't hit teenage years, but already it's just like, oh, it can be really hard to change the way that children and teens eat, especially. (laughs) And so start off early, but also just small changes, small changes. And I'm a big believer in, look, what's in the cupboard will get eaten what's not in the cupboard won't get eaten. So as a parent, you have some control around that in terms of what what do you buy that ends up in your house? Yeah, massive message, isn't it? It's a really important one. Obviously, when they start getting pocket money and eating out with their friends, it's different. But then I think you're right. They will make more informed choices 
because they've they've seen that modeling at home and they know what's good for them and what makes and what makes them feel good i think you can't help but not want to feel good again if you've done something differently and like you say that brain fog or something else cleared or your your belly doesn't feel so bloated to something as a young girl if you want that you want to be your best self for your match the next day and you want to be ready to go and rare on that track and field course or whatever it is and if you can give yourself the tools beforehand to do that then I think you will be more inclined to want to repeat the same patterns and and like you say then become become habits that's brilliant Philip I really appreciate everything that you've shared with us today I love asking my guests what they'd like to see change for young girls in the future I think I kind of know where we're headed but would you was there a message that you'd like to share with my listeners starting with like the modeling of if a child teenager is seeing a certain thing in a household she's probably going to replicate that to some extent or it's going to be hard to change that that mold and it's going to going to be a bit more challenging so I would like start with yourself as a parent and model how you want your child to be because the thing is too like parents want the best for their kids. And sometimes they're not giving the best to themselves. And then how can their kids have the best when you're not modeling the best? Does that make sense? And so I like, I, I'd love, I, and I feel like if it starts from the top down to the bottom, it's going to have generational changes as well. Yeah. And then, and then the education with girls and like just teaching them not what they should be doing to live healthy, but the, the why, the why is the big thing. So, you know, when it comes to like, you should eat your greens. Why? Because it's really helpful to support your detox pathway. So you're clearing out all the toxins that you breathe when you're driving down the highway with the car window open and all the petrol fumes are coming into you. Like, you know, stuff like that. Sometimes I put a bit of fear factor into my kids, but give the, the the bonuses like the payoffs as well for doing the healthy things I love the fact that you've really given us that tip on asking why anyway even when it comes to root causes but I think giving the why to our children is important and giving them the reasons well, they're more inclined to trust you if, if they believe you especially as they get older and they start to question everything that we say and Philippa if you could go back to your own teen self I know you shared a lot of things that you went through as a teenager but, and thank you for, for sharing all those personal stories, but if you could go back today, knowing everything you know, what might you whisper to yourself as a teenager? Um, you know what? I've listened to many of your podcasts and I know that you asked that and I still don't know. I'm like, oh, what would I say? What do I? And every day it's something different. Oh, um, really interesting. <laughs> That's so funny. Isn't it funny? Like the first thing that kind of pops into my head right now, because we've been talking like very much about health is like, Philippa, stop eating dairy because I actually have a delayed allergy reaction and I and I feel like my hormones are so much better without dairy. And I'm like, holy smokes, if I just didn't eat dairy as a teenager, how different would my life be? <laughs> so like, so like nourish your body. Your body is a temple, which I like I was taught that as a child and a teen anyway, but I just, I didn't understand it the way I do now. Like it's a beautiful vessel that like you only have one body and and cherish it. But the other thing that I was thinking about the other day after one of your podcasts, I'm like, I really feel like, again, the pressure that I put onto myself to perform in a certain way, right back from when I was younger to like that really shy, anxious kid. I don't know what I would say to her, but I'd want to work with her on that. (laughs) 
And maybe, maybe actually you would have some really good advice around that. <laughs> come on into the Elevate program. Let's start. Let's yes, take you. I'm 37. Can I come join? I absolutely. feel like a teenager. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd take you. No problem. I'd be fun. I, actually, funnily enough, I do get a lot of parents who say, oh, can, can we do the program as well? Yeah, um, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think interesting because that's probably a gap that we were missing when we were younger, right? We didn't have those, those lessons in, in life possibly as much as we would have liked to have had them but yeah that's that's really helpful I'm, I'm so pleased that you've shared everything you have today Philippa and if there were parents out there or listeners who wanted to learn more about the work that you do and wanted to get in touch with you and your husband on how they might be able to support themselves their families their loved ones with some functional medicine support how might they do that yeah, so probably the easiest place is to go onto our website. So that's www.chrisandphilly.fm. I'm guessing it'll probably be in the show notes. Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, we have, we punch out a lot of content. So there's heaps of articles, lots of videos. We have some free resources. A really cool one that a lot of people like doing is our ending body burnout assessment. So it's a has 77 questions, a bit longer. It takes about eight, 10 minutes to do. But at the end of that, it gives you um, a rating around the extent of your body burnout symptoms as well as looking at the body, mind and environment, which are contributors or root causes as to why your body may be burnt out anyway. And so that can give you, that's a really good assessment as a starting point to say, oh, do I actually need to do any work around this? That sounds wonderful, Philippa. I think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. It's a really great way to keep us empowered and keep us lifted in ourselves and our spirits and our mind and our physical body and emotional well-being. So thank you for putting the work that you're doing out there. And I really appreciate that. Like Philippa said, she's absolutely right. I will link everything she said today in the show notes. You will find it all there. So look up for that. And I know you've got a great Facebook page. You've got wonderful resources. I'm a member of all of that. And you're, she's right. She puts out some great things for you to look at out there for free. So I would get my hands on that and get, get yourselves joining. Is it the Parent Power, Power Parent Society? Yeah, the Facebook group? yeah, the Power, Power Parent Society. So we have a Facebook group, a free community group that you can join as well. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'll link that in the show notes too. It's a great resource for, for anyone who's looking for some tips on ways that they can support their children, their families and themselves with some functional medicine. So thank you so much, Philippa. Thank you. It was so good to chat. It was so good. I just love what you're doing as well. You're amazing. <laughs> oh, likewise, right back at you. Hi, it's been a while and I wanted to thank you for your patience. Since the last set of conversations we've released, I've published a book. I hope you already know about it, maybe even have it. I would love for you to share my new book, Girl Elevated, Five Steps to Empower Young Girls to Be Their Best with others, teachers, parents, coaches, your friends, anyone who works or is raising young girls. I hope this resource will be something that will be useful and helpful to many. If you have had it and you've enjoyed it, leave me a review on Amazon because that will help lots of other people find this resource as well. Thanks so much for all your support. And that's everything from us today. Thank you to all of you for joining in and being part of these very important conversations. I hope you will continue to support our cause by sharing the podcast to raise awareness with others. If you get a moment and could rate and review the podcast, I would also be hugely grateful. I'd like to extend a very big thank you to Ryan Prestipino from The Pine Studios for all the hard work that he does to help me bring this podcast to all of you. Until next time, stay well.
and speak soon. Bye for now.